Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Hello and welcome to week nine of the Foot Weekly podcast. Now, this is going to be a little bit different usual unfortunately i have to be honest about this really because it's going to affect how the podcast pans out over this week and next week my grandmother unfortunately passed away a few days ago and um, i'm going to be attending her funeral this coming monday and what that means is two things the first thing is the podcast that i recorded for this week actually most of it is really interesting gameplay related stuff with japes and Zelonius. so what happened is that will go out next week it makes sense to cover some of the more pressing matters in the FIFA world at the moment. So we've got things like the patch, the icon swap objectives, we've got loads of tips around that, plus the most knowledgeable person on servers we've had on the podcast. So we can really dig into this Reddit post that came out suggesting why there might be delay in the game and how it could potentially be solved. So plenty in this week's podcast, and I'm really hoping that apart from next week's pod being pre-recorded, the only real change will be a slightly shorter extra time podcast this week. Let's jump into that first topic then, and it is delay, which is always a big deal in the FIFA community. Many people, I think the vast majority, are affected by delay, lag, and the supposed issue, which is believed to be the servers. And recently we had some pretty high profile tweets, Mishi Batshuai and I think Benjamin Mendy tweeting about the servers and, and how they were getting delay and things, which obviously isn't going to be a great look for EA and therefore will hopefully bring some more attention to the issue. And although this gets a lot of attention from the community, it doesn't seem to me that there are many voices talking about it who actually know that much about servers. So what I decided to do is bring in Two Left Foot, who's a patron of the podcast, kindly supports the pod, but is also willing to come on and support the pod with his expertise. So welcome, Dave, aka Two Left Foot. Yeah, cheers, man. Well, thank you for coming on. And you worked in the past in what you describe as kind of server architecture, working in and around servers. And I suppose the first thing that would be good for you to explain briefly to the listeners is what was that Reddit post about? You know, what did it find? Uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. So uh, it, it's a really interesting post, actually. So uh, Bearfic, the, the user put it a few days ago, and he's uh, he's updated it today with some uh, some more information. Basically, he's done a, a deep dive into the connections that take place when you, you go into Foot. 
and he's got some uh, theories on how things like matchmaking, the way or the reason that we're getting some of the lag when we're playing games across the different uh, game modes, specifically really between Weekend League uh, and Rivals. So he's identified where a bunch of the FUT servers are located, which is mostly on Amazon Web Services. And, and this does uh, correspond to some bits and pieces that I did digging around uh, for FIFA 19. So I've got no reason to think that this isn't accurate. What he does go into as well is a, a bit about how we have lag compensation in the game. And that's where uh, you've got two people who are connecting to these dedicated servers. Because all, all of these games uh, are played on dedicated servers. We're not using uh, the peer-to-peer system anymore where you'd connect to somebody else's console. It's going through to a dedicated server where the game is played. And the problem you've got there is that if you're connecting to that server and you've got a good connection and the, your opponent has got a worse connection, the game has got to do something to try and get the game as smooth as possible. What we did see in FIFA 19... Uh, they put a patch out in title update 15 and that was to change uh, a buffer which is uh, like the bit of technology that's trying to hold that bit of information the, the input information and if it can't send that information through to the server it will keep trying until it successfully does it and of course the only problem with that is that if you've got a decent connection and your opponent doesn't you're going to be penalized and you'll start seeing things like speed up lag or input delay what EA we know have done in the past is put out a telemetry tool and that's gone out to people like Game Changers and Pros uh, and they've recorded a load of data on what happens on every game and they've been trying to process it. And so what he's going to gone through in this uh, Reddit post is some theories over what is causing this. And I think the, the biggest thing he's saying about is how the matchmaking works and how it's done through geolocation, as in where you're located with your, your IP address rather than the strength of your connection. So you could be close to somebody, but they may have a really bad connection. So uh, you will then end up suffering and will get this this issue with lag. Which, which I mean, sounds really unfair, doesn't it? And we'll probably discuss more about the kind of compensation aspect a bit later. What do we know from EA's posts over the past few years about servers and delay? Is there anything that we can kind of take from those? I was going back through again the, the, the title update stuff, and I was reading through some of the notes that EA were providing at the time. And uh, they were talking about the patch was there to reduce the likelihood of a delay in inputs, taking action in the game in situations where gameplay information was intermittently failing to be sent due to potential network issues. So when they talk about network issues, yeah, we can talk about us connecting and my IP address being further away and, and lag and so on. But it also talks about the networking actually within the game environment, actually within their servers themselves. Mm. And I have a theory as well that the, the game itself that is still effectively running off the database and the, the code that's been there for a number of years. Maybe um, maybe 10 years or something. I mean, if you think about how the game yeah, has been absolutely. Built, on, built on, it could be longer even, yeah. It might not just be that there's legacy code that the EA are having to deal with here, but also a legacy way to route the information that's been sent by you and your opponent through to the game servers. If they're using listening servers, then effectively one of the consoles playing in the game is acting like a central point so that all of the information goes back to the game server at the same time. So if, if your game server, say, is in London and you're based in the UK, but your opponent is somewhere else in Europe and their console is being used as the listening server, 
it means that your information is being sent back to their console before everything is sent back at the same time to the game server. So what potentially could be a very quick connection has now instantly been turned into a, a bad connection. This is a, a method that was used quite a long time ago for a lot of other different games. And I think the uproar when people just got the bad performance was so much that people then did to get EA mm. to and, change And then you've got to ask the question, I guess, why is it that they haven't gone about fixing that if they have in other games? I guess maybe a resourcing thing. Absolutely. And they've got a relatively small development team. We know that. They go through this annual cycle of trying to get the game out. So they don't have a tremendous amount of time to, to change this round. So they're probably still using quite a lot of legacy stuff there. And I think they've got to the stage where the the actual game itself is creaking and it doesn't matter how much how many servers you throw at it, that it's just physically not able to process the data quickly enough. One of the points that, again, in the Reddit post is that um, sometimes late at night or in early morning, the game feels extremely smooth. And, and he does say that it's to do with uh, your family members aren't on at the time. Or I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I just I think that the servers are able to process things more uh, just better at that, those particular times. So I, I think... The Reddit post is brilliant for highlighting this. It's really brought it to the to the front and everyone's talking about it. And that, that needs to happen. I think there's more to it than is made out. And I think if it was a quick and simple fix, like he does, he does sort of say, why don't they just do this? I think it's it's a bit there's a bit more to it. At the start of FIFA 20, we did see some posts from Zaro saying, Yeah, we, we hear what you're saying about the, the gameplay and we are looking at it. But then they went very, very quiet on it. I know, obviously, the communications is, is gone at, at the moment. But what we do really need is some communication from EA just telling us a little bit more about how this works. Yeah. Uh, with the communication, what I think is interesting, just coming from like a where I can jump in with some of my background, but kind of a, a marketing slash with like a hint of PR. Generally, in a situation like that, if they don't know the answer to the issue or in terms of uh, what how long the fix would take, what the fix would be in a limited cycle game like FIFA or where it's a yearly cycle uh, coming into specifically like Christmas being like a prime time, they're not going to say anything. There's only like, from their standpoint, there's only harm that can likely come in that situation. There's not much, or there is upside, but it's a super limited upside relative to the possible downside. So to me, it's it's really not surprising that we haven't had any communication there. And I, unless, unless they have, the, you know, they devote the time and energy and resources to figuring out, I suppose, what the solve is for the issue. I don't think, we're going to hear anything there. And so, Dave, I think the question from me where just not having the background here is how difficult is it to diagnose something like that or diagnose a problem like that where it's clear that there is a problem there? So what like how hard is it to figure out what the problem is and what the solution is? Because right now we're we're speculating in many ways. Right. So when you've had errors um, or uh, issues, not necessarily direct or the same sort of thing, but uh, in the past and understanding that there's varying degree levels of issues, but how, how hard is it to figure that out? Sometimes you can find some uh, find a solution really quickly. You know, it, other times there's the very, uh, you know, very strange little errors that you only find after you know, weeks and weeks of, of research. So it's a very difficult one to answer. What we do know is that the telemetry tool 
uh, records an awful lot of information. It can it can uh, analyze things down to the performance in an individual match. Um, so they are looking at it in quite a lot of detail. Uh, and if they will have network engineers looking at their internal ar- architecture, we know from the previous title updates that they've done uh, a lot of changes. They they've changed some of their uh, server providers as well. They've expanded things out. So when you read some of the stuff back, it it does feel like they actually just did a scattergun approach to start with because I don't think they genuinely knew why they were getting the the issues that they were getting as they scaled. Do they know now? Without the communication, we don't know. What I fear is that nothing will significantly change until they completely refactor how the game itself works into a more a game that's more suited to uh, online play rather than the game that was designed 10 years ago fundamentally. And then people say, you know, oh, I never get the lag in Fortnite or League of Legends or whatever. And that's because those games... Or are, even other EA games, we should say. Or well, other, other EA games, this, yeah. is, this is true. So... I think until we've seen some refactoring coming through, so perhaps the next change that's going to come through is for when we see the next generation of consoles uh, and they'll redo things for that. Hopefully a bit before then, of course. So, yeah, I guess that's what, about a year or so maybe. But in terms of the whole thing around this issue occurring, I think it's definitely something that people have noticed since switching to server-based gameplay because I guess back when it was peer-to-peer people would have blamed each other right for their connections instead so now it's clearer that it's something on EA's end as long as your internet's working fine you're playing other games fine and so I suppose the thing that I'd be thinking is three years ago they introduced server-based gameplay in FIFA 17 to bring in foot champs but you know the game has been built for years online as a peer-to-peer based game right and so from your perspective knowing a bit more about it than us is this kind of, you think, where the fault lies that if you're suddenly having to change it so that things are being calculated, the kind of server is working things out rather than it being done locally on a person's console, for example, is that where we're seeing maybe some of the problems occur? I think it's. It, it, I think there are a number of contributing factors and I think the stuff in the Reddit post is, is absolutely relevant. Uh, and I think the legacy side of things as well is is the other factor that sort of when you push them all together, it's causing this issue. Because if you think about their um, the logic, they when they put the, these servers in, they would be monitoring how their things were going. They've been looking at performance and saying, yeah, okay, this is stopping people doing the disconnect cheats, et cetera, et cetera. That's great. Let's ramp it up for uh, for 19. And oh, yet we've had more success here. Let's push it out further for 20. So th- they wouldn't have carried on pushing it further and further and further and adding more game modes into this uh, sort of area if they didn't think that they everything was going well and it was having a positive effect. Uh, and I think they've just reached that tipping point now where um, the servers... And it's not when we talk about service, it's, it's everything behind it. You know, there, there will be databases, there's going to be middleware, there's going to be so many different things that make up the actual you know, the solution that provides that gameplay. So the interconnections between those servers that we hit and the, the database that gives you all the player data and even the, the content delivery networks that play you back the, the goal replays and stuff like that. And of course, when you first connect to the game, it's you're connecting through to the American service to check that you're logged into your EA account. And that periodically goes back and it checks that you're logged in throughout the game as well. So there are a number of different little factors there uh, and all of them added together uh, with so many people more, you know, going on to the game as well. It's just hit this point that 
it's just creaking so much. Um, so if, if they did tweak lag compensation, would it help some people? Yes. Would it help others? No. Could they match people up with lower pings? Yeah, that would be great. Uh, but then you'd get a whole bunch of people as well uh, on higher pings who are going to be suffering too. And it's you know the, a ping is, is just one thing. It's you know it's quality of connection, and then the quality of their servers as well. Uh, the quality of what's going on in their network. So there's just so much mm. that we're speculating about here as well, because we haven't had anyone come out and say this is how it works. This is why mm. we've had issues. But like uh, like Jake says, we're unlikely to hear anything uh, before Christmas. I think the people that will be listening to this saying. I still don't understand why can't they just remove lag compensation completely. Your suggestion seems to be, and certainly the Reddit post suggestion is that there is some kind of lag compensation between people who have good ping and good connections. And when they're playing someone with a very poor connection, why can't the good connection player just have the advantage? I think that if they did that, you'd probably find the there would be so many more complaints than we're getting now. Mm. Uh, in that you'd find that you'd have one player who'd just be standing still on the pitch and the other player would just be running around them. Because mm. interestingly, if you look back at the notes from when in FIFA 19 they, they did the patch, which of course we know was rolled back after a couple of weeks because of the number of complaints, they actually reduced the buffer. Mm. They took the buffer down. Um, so that basically has that same sort of effect as trying to improve the, the connection for the for the better players. For the players with better connection, yeah. Exactly, sorry. It actually helps some people, I think. A lot of other people, myself included, found the, the gameplay experience far, far mm. worse. But it goes back to that that conversation really about having that very delicate balancing line between getting everyone having something that's acceptable or having some people playing incredibly smooth and some people with an unplayable game. Mm. There has to be a middle ground that they have to find. And it's I, I, I don't envy them. It, it's in, incredibly difficult. I mean, for EA, the, the very worst thing that can happen is that huge, huge casual base of players who are the vast majority of FIFA players who, as we know from a, a poll that Jamie for Economist put out last year, 50% play on Wi-Fi, which is a, having played on Wi-Fi as little as possible, but oh, occasionally over the past oh. few years, it is the worst gameplay experience. I mean, no matter what anyone says, even if they have a consistent Wi-Fi gameplay experience where it doesn't vary that much, you're still playing at a, a significant disadvantage, trust me. So the fact that so many players are playing on Wi-Fi have worse connections, therefore, the thing that EA can't afford to do is a big company. And, you know, it frustrates me as much as anyone. And I'm sure the listeners will, will not want to hear this, but they, they can't ignore those people who are the vast majority of players who spend money on their game and have them leave... So unfortunately, uh, until they find a solution to sort of balance both sides to make it better. And I think his suggestion right in the Reddit post, um, Dave, was actually to find a solution where better ping always match up and players with worse ping always match up. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's the only way that potentially it could be solved. Yeah. And maybe that's not possible at the moment. And I guess hopefully it comes in soon. Yeah. What, what, what we know is that there are uh, there are a number of uh, factors that they use for matchmaking. And so it, it would be great to have some clarity on exactly how that goes. But certainly perhaps the ping is obviously a factor, but it's probably not the number one factor. Mm. It's probably that you know, they're, they're doing the skill ratings and they're doing the, the regions rather than the actual pings. Yeah. So... Perhaps if they could change the priority of the factors that they're using to determine where your next opponent will be, that is going to help things out. 
obviously you've got the, the different system in weekend league based on your number of wins and your, your form etc so that complicates matters further mm. but certainly if you're if, if you're in weekend league you're on you've got five wins at least get put up against somebody with who's got five wins as well but with as low a ping as possible rather than somebody with a higher ping. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, you'd like to think that that's in place because mm. it, it makes sense. Mm. But it might but, be low down the priority never, list, right? And and I guess exactly. the, one of the positive things is we know actually from a recent info that came out that foot in terms of new users and, and people playing the game is increasing and increasing. So perhaps, you know, when they introduced the, I don't know, the code, the sort of formulas behind how matchmaking works, they didn't have the kind of size of base that they do now and maybe in the future because the base of players is, go- is growing we might actually see some improvements to the way they match make hopefully um, but that's being very optimistic but yeah in, in theory though if we, if you've got a, a much greater pool of players to, to, to uh, choose from in theory you've got more people to match up against and in theory then you should have more people with a closer connection yeah, yeah, and similar yeah. records so that'd be a big positive so yeah. and that's that's where I think it throws out the argument of the you know when you're when you're playing in the evening and you're getting better connections that's where this this sort of argument sort of disappears a little bit because in theory, uh, yes, okay, you might have some of the the more dedicated players on at that time, but at the same time, in theory, you'll have far fewer players yeah, online. Actually, what you're saying, and especially people when they say that their connection is better at sort of off peak times, as we've discussed, I guess that doesn't support the idea of lag compensation because you would have thought lag compensation would be a factor at all times of day. You would have thought because you could play someone with a bad connection at any point. So I guess it does point to your idea that there's some processing issues with the server instead. Yes, yeah, so the servers themselves have got less uh, less to do, so therefore they're able to process things better. So perhaps they're dealing with the lag delay better at that point. Mm. So hence, hence, I think it, it's a combination of things. Mm. Um, and, and hopefully they will be able to identify exactly what they need to do mm-hmm. uh, and, and go ahead and do it, obviously. I think the really good thing from my perspective, they've never really acknowledged this idea that there is this kind of gentle delay in the game. And they did acknowledge that over the last year. And I think for me, that's quite a big step because I think in the past, when it's been something that's been brought up, they very much kind of put it down to people's own connections and, and not really kind of thought, been able to sort of say, well, actually, yeah, we think it is something going on, as you say, maybe with the, some legacy code or something like that. They haven't come out and said that, but at least they've said that there is problems with uh, sort of delay in the game and actually I'd encourage everyone to watch a video um, by Inception go on YouTube search it up he talks about going to EAHQ to test the game because of delay and things like that they, they asked some people to come in to test some stuff they'd done I think it's about a year ago maybe six months ago things like that do show and, and I can say from my perspective you know having been given the telemetry tool this year as well in the first few months they are still working on it but as you say we don't know when they're going to come up with a solution. And it feels like something that, as you say, could be something where, where they have to wait until the next generation of console or until they have to do a really significant change because it frustrates me because it's such a lucrative game for EA, but they just don't spend the money on it to have a team revamping it every year properly. So things do get 
kind of left behind. It's quite frustrating, really, not being able to get full enjoyment out of it because of server issues and having to play at strange times of day is very frustrating, as I'm sure you'll agree, Japes, as well. I know you've, you've tweeted about it yourself. Yeah, I. it's only because I tend to, like more often not, the opportunities that I have to play the game, specifically Weekend League, are often uh, like very early on in the morning. Mm. So I'm playing between your like 5.30 a.m. and like 9 or 10 a.m. when the, I'd probably argue the vast majority of the specifically U.S. player base is not on and playing, right? Mm. They're jumping on, playing in the afternoons, playing in the evenings. And when I have recently played during those kind of peak times, uh, the game feels terrible. Mm. So <laughs> I think uh, for me, you know, I fortunately playing when the connection's good oftentimes fits into my schedule. But um, it's, you know, it's uh, the fact the fact that it can be different from, you know, uh, six hours later is is kind of crazy yeah and it's certainly certainly something from like a competitive standpoint that really more or less needs to be addressed definitely and uh and it's definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on on the pod anything that comes out around this we can i'm sure dave won't mind uh, being brought in to to fill us in if anything comes up that's worth uh, noting and i know dave you were saying you're going to do some more digging yourself if you can to at least uh, find out a bit more or confirm what the Reddit user had found out as well. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that what he's saying is, is pretty good. I, I don't mm. have any any reason to, to doubt it. I think um, I, it'd be great to dig in and, and find out a little bit more about how the matchmaking takes place. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one. We just hope that uh, we get something back from EA sooner rather than later and that we can all enjoy the game again. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, well, Dave, thank you very much for coming along. Really, really appreciate your insight here. And I'm sure the listeners did as well. Dave, where can people follow you if they want to ask you about these things, perhaps? <laughs> I'm at, uh, at 2LeftFoot on Twitter. Foot like the game mode that we all know and love. That's um, right. And uh, yeah, yeah, Dave, I'm sure you'll agree. That was a very, very good insight. That was very insightful, yeah. uh, very informative. <laughs> Indeed. And more insight from Japes in the Extra Time podcast as we discuss some top defenders, including the road to the final Konate SBC and why he might actually be the heir to Virgil van Dijk. You can get that bonus podcast along with all bonus podcasts that get put out on the Foot Weekly Patreon feed by supporting the pod for just $3 a month. It really is super simple to do. You get given your own unique podcast feed which you can paste into your podcast app and the regular podcasts also appear there but ad-free and almost a day early as well. It's honestly been fantastic to put so much more time into the podcast in FIFA 20 and that's all been made possible by the generous support of our community. So if you can support for just $3 a month, then please do just go to bit.ly slash morepod. So bit.ly slash morepod. Right. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today, because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Let's talk to Foothead content guru Luke Zim about objectives and the new patch. Luke, it's been way too long. Yeah, we were just talking before the show and... I, I agree. It's been it's been too long. Appreciate you having me back. No, I mean we get some some concentrated uh, Luke from Foothead action as well, which is nice. We're we're just doing this very impromptu in order to fit in some things this week, which are I guess 
important to bring up because of the time that we are at in terms of having a lot of people completing all these objectives for icon swaps and also the fact that there's actually a I guess a substantial patch note if you like come out title update 7 is a bit more weighty than previous patches I guess the last patch we had did do some shooting changes as well but I think these are going to be a bit more significant because the last one was mainly about long shots so Luke what would you say are the I guess key takeaway points yeah I think the talking points that people are surfacing on the likes of Twitter or Reddit and whatnot Futhead comments are certainly what appears to be a buff at least in writing right we've seen these patch notes from the community manager Gabe Zaro a little bit of less communication on social after some of the drama of a couple weeks past but uh, he was responsible for putting (laughs) these up on on Twitter or excuse me on the forums from the looks of it and then obviously uh, other folks were sharing his post on Twitter Uh, but it looks like there's been a buff to shooting Uh, so apparently shots that are close or they describe it as 15.24 meters or 50 feet or closer to the target will be more effective. I know there's been a lot of complaints that folks hit the post too much, uh, that finishing is too inconsistent, that guys with high shooting don't necessarily always finish the way you'd anticipate, and you have to almost green time sometimes just to get the ball to go anywhere close to the net. Uh, otherwise, your shot either misses wildly or goes straight to the keeper or whatnot. I'll be really curious to see how you know truly those are buffed. I'm sure the folks on PC are seeing it now, and when the patch comes out on Xbox and PS4, guys will quickly figure out whether it's, you know, as as advertised or more or or, or less but uh, the other thing i think that people talked about is an improved accuracy on ground passes and what they described as easy passing situations so i know some folks have been saying that passing is broken i think there should be a degree of difficulty like obviously you know not everyone should be able to pass the ball around like peak barcelona under pep or something like that Uh, but there is i guess because of previous FIFA's where it was much easier to pass by comparison i think there's kind of this priming bias where folks feel like passing should be easier and it's probably somewhere in between but we'll have to see how uh how truly buffed passing is i know the change is not supposed to impact lob passes or through passes so thankfully there won't be like a return to the fifa 15 meta or anything like that at least so that we can tell um but yeah th- those are i think the, the two big ones some some more subtle stuff uh, they talked about how penalty takers will no longer move their head once the shoot action is started so you'll be able to kind of like lock in and then i guess maybe instead of like just kind of move the head constantly and kind of deceive your opponent you'll have to i guess really more um plan and try to read the the penalty taker and, and try to make a save and things like that so uh i i'd be remiss if i didn't miss or if i didn't mention that there are also supposedly some specific situations where player switching was not working during a tackle action um that's supposedly addressed too i know that there's lots of complaints about especially right stick switching amongst the pro scene and some of the more hardcores i'm curious like what that defines as is during a tackle action is that really the only situation where that was problematic but i guess again until we get hands-on with the game with the patch it's tough to say what specifically these will introduce to uh yeah it's interesting one because the tackle animation element you can't really imagine necessarily wanting to switch while you're making a tackling animation i guess it does kind of make sense if you go in for a tackle then realize you've been beaten so you need to switch player could be quite frustrating it's not really something that i'd seen um but there's some other sort of small bug fix type things in there as well um but i think the overall take home has got to be the the sort of reduction in error on a lot of shots yeah i think the big take home from this patch is that in the box you should be able to score a higher percentage of chances you could almost argue, and people have said, oh, there's no fix to drop back. A lot of people complaining about this recently. Taking shots inside the box, if you can kind of work an opportunity, should be going in more frequently. So I guess we know, Luke, that they have all these kind of metrics available to them, don't they, about what's been going on in the game for all the different users. And I guess maybe they were seeing not a high enough percentage of shots being finished 
inside the box. And hopefully this patch means that's going to happen. And as a result, if a player is just sitting back in their box with their defence, taking shots in and around those players is more likely to have an end result that's a goal, <laughs> you'd hope. Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely an experience that all of us have seen firsthand where we just have kind of a frustrating go at trying to score in the box, especially with players, high-rated players, players that we spent time or coins or FIFA points on acquiring, and then they don't perform the way that we want. Hopefully this is a step towards remedying that. I, I'm curious about the the dropback still being as impactful. Uh, I, I feel like the last patch at least took a step towards remedying that. It, it wasn't a perfect, you know, they didn't remove it from the game or make it not work at all, but it certainly has been less effective. Um, I've seen it used leverage less often. I think that there's still certainly in the pro scene some folks that are really, really adept at defending in that situation. Uh, but I don't, I don't know how much it's still for at least the casual listener out there is struggling with that. But hey, I mean, if you give every, you know, if you give the offensive players a couple more tools and you have kind of a situation where defenders are all the way back, uh, I'll be curious to see what these changes do to those kind of um, strategies as yeah, well. Yeah, I guess also the lack of pressure and also, I guess, the, the better passing when you have no pressure should be a bonus as well for people who are really just drop back and not trying to actively press the ball as well. This feels like one of those patches. It's not going to be anything that causes some dramatic meta shift because none of the changes are, are that big. But they're certainly famous last words, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is definitely going <laughs> to mean that that's the case now, right? Um, and it's actually interesting how they've done patches this year, Luke, in terms of almost one every two weeks or something with small changes. And it's something they said they'd do last year, but I feel like never quite happened that way people were quite frustrated with how patches came out i think it was close some of some of the delay last year this is i think maybe more the end product of that aspirational goal i think some of the delays last year were just the third parties uh, or rather first parties like sony and microsoft kind of getting them in a holding pattern maybe they worked out those situations so they're able to get these patches approved or reviewed a little bit faster than they were a year ago but yeah i think something to keep in mind if 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 you don't see the changes that you want, if dropback is still a big problem in your mind, if uh, you know some of the aspects of the game that are still bothering all of us uh, aren't addressed here, you have to keep in mind that sometimes those fixes aren't easy solves. Some things are just going to get finished before others. I don't think it's a priority thing. Something getting addressed now and not having been addressed two weeks ago or something getting addressed in two weeks and not having been addressed now is simply just a uh, it's a combination of resources and it's a, com a combination of just when these things get tackled, right? You squash a bug, you put out your code, it gets reviewed, it goes into the build. They don't w just work on the thing that you think is most broken until it's fixed because then they won't put out anything. So this is they're approaching the FIFA software development phase almost more like like any developer on like a website or on a you know an app or something like that which is interesting uh whether that's good or bad you know I'll, I'll leave to your discretion but it may not seem like it but it probably is better for game health uh, even if right now you're still not loving your fifa or think that there's just some low-hanging fruit mm. that you want to be, see addressed one of the things that i wanted to just quickly mention before we move on um well two things actually the penalty takers no longer moving their heads during the the shot action as it describes it is a really big thing. So if you're taking a penalty, this may be something that you're kind of surprised by initially, um, but it's pretty good. It means you don't have to be kind of constantly moving the head to avoid the opponent reading your shot direction. But I guess, yeah, the other thing to note is that there'll be a lot of people out there that don't realise that although the head's locked, you can still see where the head's going at the very start before they start the run-up. If you are looking for a tell, it might be worth having a look and seeing where the heads are looking at the very start. But then, on the other hand, 
uh, be aware yourself that you could be giving away where you're going. So that's just something to, to end sort of the gameplay aspect of this patch. The last thing I wanted to talk about from a foot perspective feeds nicely into what we're going to discuss in terms of objectives because they made changes to squad battles. The matches played counter now tracks and the first 40 played and or skipped weekly competition matches. And once all 40 weekly competition matches have been played or skipped, any further matches played in squad battles will not have any impact on the weekly score until the next squad battles competition begins. This has always been the case, but I think a lot of people didn't know about this. There's obviously an increasing number of people completing squad battles objectives because the icon swaps are in squad battles as well. A lot of people who didn't play squad battles before including our listeners, are going out and playing squad battles for the first time. If you're not that bothered about the points you're getting for squad battles, then once you've played one game on that screen against the worst team there, just refresh and you'll move on to the next set of fixtures and play the worst team again. Eventually, once you get through, I think it's nine refreshes, it will stop giving you squad battles points, but you can continue to refresh. So you're basically able to play poor chem, poor rating teams infinitely which I think is a pretty great thing they introduced considering what a lot of people are having to do in terms of the amount of school battles matches that they're having to play. Yeah, I think especially in terms of the the one I think that's the real bugaboo is that EFL championship one where you have to win five squad battles mm. on minimum legendary difficulty. If you're not a regular squad battles guy, even if you're you know a gold two or higher player, legendary can be pretty tough. And I think it was last FIFA where they kind of buffed the difficulty on legendary. Because if you remember in FIFA 18, it was actually easier to play legendary than it was on world class. I think there was just... I don't want to feed the conspiracy theory out there, so I'm trying to mince my words very carefully. When I say dynamic difficulty, all that means is that when the when the computer is trailing uh, on legendary difficulty in FIFA 18, it would not go for the win, if that makes sense, or go for mm. the equalizer as aggressively as maybe it should have been. But yeah, I think it can be tricky, and with the difficulty a little bit higher now, and especially playing with those lower-rated EFL championship players, whether you buy them on the transfer market, you have the first owners... That's that's tough, man. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm four tokens away from uh, Icon Swap Zanetti, the prime Zanetti. I loved uh, Zanetti in FIFA 18. I had him last year. I don't think I even played a game with him, but I, I at least did the SBCs to pack hunt. Uh, they were good value, especially relative to some of the other prime Icon SBCs out there. Uh, now in this new system, I want to get him so I can use him as my right back for now. And then later on in the year, he'll still be a very viable CDM or super sub as a midfielder. Uh, you, I mean, I could even play left back or center back if you want, to be totally honest. So that's who I'm going after, but I'm four away because I cannot bring myself to play these squad battles. But I think that that advice that you gave that you can do the infinite refreshes, just just know that again, after you hit, you know, the RT or R2 nine times, you're not going to get squad battle points. It's like we we finally stopped getting those messages on Futhead's Twitter, but we were getting them all year long. Like, oh, hey, I played yeah. this game. How come I didn't get points? EA's yeah. rigged. The fix is in. They hate me. They don't want me to get good rewards. And it's like no, that's not the case. Sorry. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty transparent and pretty clear at the end game messaging, and they've even made it clearer. But uh, if you were confused about that, they're going to have, I guess, with this patch, a little bit clearer communication on how many you know refreshers you've done, how many games you've played, and so forth. And uh, the other thing to add, I, I have a few tips for you, Luke, if you are planning to do uh, more squad battles games, and this goes out to, to everyone as well, who I know uh, has anticipated themselves struggling with this. My number one tip is actually to play a, t- a formation which I really don't like playing in online games, um, which many of you will know, the 4-1-2-1-2 narrow. And what you do is you sit back, low depth, just let the AI 
keep the ball, to be honest, and they'll work it probably around to the wide areas because they seem to really like going wide. And when they go wide, they'll cross it in and you'll be able to head it clear, pick up the ball. Well, actually, I wouldn't head it clear. I'd try and head it down to one of your players using an A pass rather than a clearance. And then once you get that, you've got your really pacey strikers up front and a can with good passing. And to be honest, they don't even need to be that good. Because the other thing about the AI, I should say, is that they push their fullbacks up quite a lot, which is actually something you don't tend to see online at the top, at the higher levels of uh, vaguely competitive play. Um, but you will see the AI doing it. So what you want to do is just use your midfielders to through ball into the, the gap between the left back and the centre backs or the right back and the centre backs, um, pick up the ball there. And you can normally, even if your players have bad finishing, uh, score goals by doing cutbacks and things. So legendary is tricky, but it's not as big a jump from world-class still as you might think, considering the difference between professional and world-class. But it is not easy. And I just would recommend going for those really low chem, really low rating teams. And one thing that I'd really highlight is that actually low chemistry is probably more important than low rating because low chemistry does such a massive reduction in stats. You're actually playing a team that's 10 ratings, maybe more or worse than it actually says. And certainly when you see some people who've got like a striker and goal in their teams and those kind of things, you just need to keep an eye out on the squad that you're about to play because uh, certain squads, you can definitely take advantage of uh, what some people have done, which is clearly just, I don't know, use it to do the loyalty glitch or whatever. And it's ended up appearing on the, on the squad battles uh, opponents list somehow. But, you know, I think, yeah, I won mil- 1 million percent. I'm just almost floored by how much chemistry some- seems to impact these AI teams. It seems way more than yeah, impact human yeah. teams. Keep on, keep your eye out for things like that. And my biggest squad battle feedback from having done the first group of icon swap, uh, squad battle player tokens is, if you do lose like especially on some of the higher difficulties obviously these are now all world class and higher which mm. it was going to be a joy i'm sure uh don't beat yourself up too terribly much like i even lost the game or two i think uh i know i had one go to penalties it was so stressful i was uh using some colorful language to say the least in that one but yeah if you blow a, th- a two goal lead or something like that if you uh, especially in that legendary one you find yourself having to play more matches than you should have because you went against a stronger team than maybe would have been ideal but uh, just yeah definitely give yourself a break it's you know you can other than your time you're not really losing anything mm, definitely and the other thing is that you know what if you only need to win so if you again if you're not trying to maximize points keeping the ball if if you want to be pretty boring about it it makes the time run down quicker than if there are constant breaks in play so you know just pass it around the back on world class there's actually a, a glitch at the moment with the fake shot uh, if you um, allow yourself to go to a complete stop with one of your players on world class and then do uh, shoot and then pass. So they do a shot dummy. The AI, I, don't, I think just doesn't tackle you basically until about the 20th, uh, the last 20 minutes or so. So if you're really sick of playing squad battles on world class and want to just put the controller down for a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe bring up a foot weekly podcast, join the patron, something like that. So it's a good little tip from uh, actually one of the patrons. That's actually a great way to stay sane if you are able to multitask, especially if you get a two or three goal lead and you're not really caring about you know conceding goals for rewards and things like that. Mm. I typically play in the evenings, and you know I've got a second TV set up in my office. So when I do this grind, 
probably the last day before the awards expire, knowing how I procrastinate, uh, I'll definitely have, you know, NBA game or something on here and NA at night um, during the day. Like if it's some, you know, random, like not your team Premier League match or something like that that's on in the evening or just whatever, like just put something on mindless so you can kind of distract yourself and, and keep your sanity. If you're like a super achievement chaser, you want to get the best rewards, you want to score as many points. If you want to make it competitive, that's what makes it fun for you. We'll do that too. But uh, I think the... The, the, the sanity maximizing solution is to, you know, like Ben said, put on the pod, put on, you know, whatever you need to to keep loose. And, and you know, Zwayback uh, from the community, YouTuber, streamer, is, is epic about keeping kind of this, like, zen mind state when he plays stressful games. I need to get better at it myself because I'm still definitely, like, a rage controller breaking lunatic sometimes. But don't let squad battles contribute to that. Save that stress for, for weekend late. And then finally, uh, we wanted to discuss, unfortunately, how to get objectives completed in Rivals, which is, of course, the other big challenge of this. Uh, One thing I wanted to point out with the online objectives, you can double up quite a few of them. You can do the UEFA Champions League squad, so the complete squad of UEFA Champions League cards with the Brazil one. You'll probably pay a premium for, for those players, but it's worth it to save you maybe 10 games or so. The value isn't really dropping of those players so doing that is not going to um, cost you a huge amount I wouldn't have thought and then there's also one which is 11 first owner players what you can do is complete that along with one of the other league ones because after all the league ones are seven first owner players it's not too difficult to add in another four and then of course one of the most basic tips for all of this which I'm sure you'll all be aware of is you got your seven first owner players four non-first owner players and then don't forget you've got those three subs to bring in players so you know, make sure you use those substitutes, bring in some of the better players, maybe from your, your main squad to close out the, the game. Or, or if they're bad players, don't be afraid to sub those players on early on. Uh, the fact that you won't be able to make subs later in the game is going to be less of a factor, I'd say. Also, I think the other key tip for me in terms of rivals is that draws are completely useless. But not only do they not get you the objective, they also keep your skill rating the same. So you're going to face opponents of the same quality. Honestly, you might as well just give your opponent the win, help them out, and then drop your skill rating uh, so the next game is a bit easier. I know that's cynical, Luke, but uh, you got to do what you got to do. Beat me to the punch. Uh, absolutely file away Ben's tip for doubling up on objectives, not just for this one, but when we get back to squad battles for maybe the second set of icon swaps that's, I think, set for, if I'm not mistaken, December or January. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that comes around... That helped me big time was that I only had to play 15 squad battles last time. Now you have to do 21, I think, obviously, uh, give or take, with the not able to double up on squad battles this go. But when you have the opportunity to kind of do them at the same time, that is going to go a long way towards maximizing your time and your sanity, right? Mm. So I think also kind of what you got at, yeah, just go for it late. Like you get to the, treat it like it's a, a pro competition almost where you know you're not going to get anything from a a draw like you're you're not going to have extra time though so don't bank on that just go for it late if you get the loss you know you can't really cheat the system but you can get those more favorable matchups like ben said if you go ahead and make a even matched game one of your losses or a game where you're ahead now that doesn't mean if you if you forfeit if you score two own goals or something like that i don't we don't know the impact of that there's Mm. lots of conspiracy theories at least on champions or uh foot champs that 
maybe doing that does actually doesn't count towards your elo or whatever and the rival system doesn't use the same as foot champs but i could see a situation where maybe that's the same where if you forfeit or you rage quit you don't actually get that impact hmm. um now granted maybe you just want to decide that you want to tank your skill rating go down to a lower division you don't care about the rivals points maybe rage quitting is the way to go if, if time is your biggest concern but yeah i think basically just go for it late if you wind up losing um it's a lot better than at least in terms of getting your matchups kind of more to your desirability mm. i know it's so stressful i think that's one of the hardest things you can control what you can control and then sometimes as we all know that there are even parts of the game that uh it's just between you and the ea gods but just yeah whatever you can do to kind of keep your head level i, I find too i'm really bad about this in champs is that i let some bad outcome carry over i don't take time in between matches i don't clear my head i'm not able to be like we talked about keeping it zen i don't keep it zen at all so if you can do that for these two i bet you'll get through them a whole heck of a lot faster too and another point which listener and patron broadfield made which i think is a really good tip if you're losing and you realize you're going to lose you know if you don't want to back out of that game then go for a really offensive tactic and maybe sub in say for example Serie A players and try and get that goal with a Serie A player to complete those objectives which don't require a win so you can look into some other objectives which you might want to complete at the same time which don't require a win and then you can kind of double them up and in fact maybe if you're six down at half time or something and you message your opponent saying do you mind if I get some goals with my Serie A players you know they, they might actually be obliging and uh, I wanted to actually mention that because a few people have said to me that they were frustrated because they allowed their opponent to score goals in return for them scoring goals, but they'd let their opponent score a couple too many goals. And then the opponent had just stopped them from scoring any goals for the rest of the game, which is a bit of a shithouse move because I guess they're guaranteeing themselves the win and the objectives that you've kindly let them complete. What I'd always say about this is say you go into a game where you need the win and they don't need the win, and they're saying to you, can I score with my, say, for example, Serie A players? And you say yes. I always, always make them give me a sort of three-goal cushion to be sure that they're not going to take the win away from me by being a bit cheeky. Because uh, you are ultimately doing them a favour. They're probably playing with some terrible Serie A team, which you would have beaten easily. So do not be afraid, I guess, to communicate with your opponents and make sure that you're getting the best deal for yourself out of, <laughs> out of these rivals games, which are... You know, you don't want to have to play too many. I've got to say, though, a lot of people complain about um, maybe how difficult they are, how time consuming it is. I think someone calculated this on Reddit and it's about 3.5 hours, I think it was, a week they worked out. And that's not just if you win all your rivals games, that's including losses. So I think 3.5 hours a week for, I guess, what is over the course of eight weeks, one million coins worth of player. It's not bad, to be honest. I don't think you can have too many complaints about that. I understand this is not what everyone wants to do. And I know one of our listeners, Pumeister, mentioned that he's ended up just putting the time into trading instead. And that's all fine. But I actually preferred doing the objectives than I would to trading. And I liked trying out some different players, seeing who actually was still kind of usable of my lower rated players. Someone like Kanji was still excellent um, with a shadow cam style in the Bundesliga team. I, I can see why people don't like it. And I think if people want to go ahead and do something else instead of these icon sort of objectives, I can see why. For myself, I honestly did not find it nearly as painful as, as people have made out. But perhaps Luke, considering you haven't got around to doing those four then <laughs> that's not the case for you oh uh, you know i i still think you hit on hit the nail on the head for a lot of this i i think there, there can be some fun to it and it can be stressful too i think when i go in with the least expectations like 
you know, mm. crack open an adult beverage if you're of age, put something on in the background to kind of keep your mind. So if you are distracted and you can see like whatever, I think like the lower stress you can make it, the more enjoyable it'll be. Mm. It's the least fun. I think that also contributes to kind of some of the negativity in the community when you just think I have to get this done ASAP. I have to be first. I have to be perfect. I can't lose a single match. Uh, I, I did during the last round because like I said, I procrastinated doing like all 12 of them until the very last second. Um, I needed three wins at Premier League, like the morning of, and I was like, I didn't have a ton of time, and I won three in a row, and that was unbelievably satisfying, but you don't have to, you know, have these epic comebacks, like you don't have to be, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold or Michael Jordan or whatever, saving it to the last second to get this, like, dramatic come-from-behind win for your objectives. Like, definitely, I think, just be healthy about your approach to it, and Really, again, I think kind of one of the biggest contributors to dissatisfaction towards particular titles and then just also just in general with your gaming experience is people that go in with, I don't want to say unreasonable expectations, but maybe lofty expectations. If if your standard is perfection, if your standard is getting things done the first time, every single time for every single squad battle, every single rivals match, and you don't do that, you're going to be upset. So if you just go in and just try to make the most of it, go with a positive mindset, you know, it sounds cheesy or life coachy or something like that. But those, those things really do make a big difference. Like your approach really determines what you get out of it. If you go in, like Ben said, and you you want to enjoy it and you say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try some players I don't normally use. I actually had fun doing the legal one. I think I told uh, Chu on our Tuesday night football and a pro stream that we do each Tuesday Tuesday night uh, North America time so pretty late for you UK fellows but if you want to hop on and, and join the chat tonight or whenever you listen to the podcast the next time after I guess by all means uh, but yeah we, I told him that you know I, I used Alvaro Morata who I hadn't played with this FIFA and basic Kim and actually really liked him so I was surprised by that you might be surprised by some of these guys you might find like a gym fullback that fits your team maybe it's not going to fit your like super meta weekend league team but it might be somebody that you can add to your rotation for these objectives that you just wouldn't have thought of you'd be using uh, before going into it and because of the way they've set this out so it's exactly the same basically requirements as last time it's made me think well actually I'm going to keep these squads open in my club on the squad selection screen you know, come back to them when I get a good untradeable player, I can add them in there and start kind of building them in with the idea that those squads are only going to become used even more as, as time goes on and they probably require uh, the same leagues for those objectives. When you think about it... Yeah, Circa, like... FIFA, when did we first roll out the FUT Champs? Was that FIFA, FIFA 18? FIFA 17, yeah, yeah. FIFA 17, okay. So the very first year of FUT Champs, when they would have these league restrictions and stuff on FUT Champs, I actually really yeah, liked yeah, that. Yeah. I know they tried to do that for the World Cup two FIFAs ago, so that would have been FIFA 18. And people complained, well, I spent all year grinding and trading for this team. I want to use mm-hmm. my super team. I want to use my super team. I don't want to play with Brazil. I don't want to play with Argentina. And that sucked for me because like, I think creative squad building requirements is some of the way to keep FIFA the most fun and the most mm-hmm. fresh. Uh, so bringing that aspect back where like you want to build a good La Liga squad, a good Premier League squad that can add something to your trading. If you, if trading is what you like best, Mm. well, all right, trade to build a sick second squad or a sick third squad. And then if you're really, you know, a a true free to play hardcore trader or whatnot, um, then all of a sudden those can become, you know, your fitness squads or just kind of your rotational ones or your investments, even if we're talking about trading. So I think there's lots of ways to kind of add secondary elements to make this stuff that seems like a grind on paper. I just, think everybody wants something so easy and then when it's easy and then they complain that they don't have something else to do <laughs> it's, so true, it's, yeah. uh, it's sometimes 
it's tough for EA, man. Like I, I don't envy being in their situation. Even when I'm frustrated with some of the requirements, even when I'm frustrated with, you know, all right, these storyline players, I'm not really going to go for this particular season or whatever because they're not, or they don't fit my team or they don't, they're not meta enough or whatever. I get it. I feel the same way, but uh, it's still tricky, right? So I think whatever you can do to make it more fun. I remember back to some of the like FIFA 16, FIFA 17, YouTube creator days, like some of those more creative series. Like you don't have to be creating content for people, but you can still, you know. Do a, almost do like a road to glory from it. Like start with a worst Premier League team and build your way up. No, you're going to take some losses. It's going to take a little bit longer to get some of these better first owner, you know, Premier League, Ligoon, Serie A squads, whatever the case may be. But there's all kinds of ways you can kind of put a spin on it and, and just kind of make it more worth your time and feel a little bit less like a chore. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. There's some uh, patrons who've been having a bit of fun by creating, you know, X Arsenal squads, past and present, that kind of thing. I mean, there's just so much more to the game than going about what is the prescribed pattern that most people go through when they're when they're playing FIFA. There's a lot more out there. And I think personally, these objectives are a way to encourage people to kind of find different players and use different teams, take advantage of those untradeables they've been getting and all that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, I say all this, if you have any thoughts get in touch you can do that at foot weekly pod or email footweekly at mail.com and luke you mentioned briefly that you are doing the tuesday night football with foothead that's been doing really well hasn't it people might want to we do have plenty of u.s listeners so they might be keen to come yeah, we've developed a nice little following. We've got kind of a crew of predominantly NA that we see some Aussies and a couple of night owls from the UK and Europe hop in the chat. But yeah, twitch.tv slash TV. Smash that follow button. We go live uh, every Tuesday night uh, at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific if you're in North or South America. And then if you're in the UK, I guess that would be, what, 1 a.m.? So yeah, <laughs> if you get off the, the night shift and you want to see some high-quality competitive FIFA, honestly, like we've done 11 of these, two on FIFA 19, now nine of them on FIFA 20. Uh, it's been a blast. We've had so much good quality FIFA. I think, like, you know what, we have probably... Psh- I don't know, six, seven matches in full and then like kind of some switch around, you know, red zone, goal zone action, whatever you want to call it each week. And like I said, we've only really had like kind of one like park the bus uh, match out of the dozens that we see every single time. So uh, it's been really fun, really expansive. The guys are playing for a thousand bucks cash. Do, do your mental math for however many pounds that is or euros. My apologies. I don't have those conversion rates offhand ready, but it's a decent little prize. We've got, you know, some of the best of the best NA pros that, like I said, you see at these FUT Champions Cups. Like we have guys that are missing this this week to go play in that. And I'm sure that's going to continue throughout the competitive season. So definitely hop on through, you know, it's a good time. And and certainly it's it's been a fun way for us to kind of not only support, you know, kind of a, an overlooked, I think, part of the competitive scene, but put our footprints on something weekly that's that's fun mm. and and i think net positive and, and good for game health yeah no i've uh, heard great things about it so uh good luck with that and uh thank you for joining us this week yeah real pleasure being back we'll have yeah. to do it again a little bit sooner than later next time yeah definitely and uh that wraps us up i think for this week's foot weekly podcast don't forget that you can catch japes and zelonius on next week's patron exclusive podcast but as usual there'll be a segment going out for everyone to check out too a reminder as well that if you're a patron of the podcast you can enter the goal and squad of the month competitions which are over at footweeklypodcast.com slash competitions the winner of those two will win 2200 fifa points finally then a huge thanks to foothead to all our patrons and to those icon patrons chris w gabe n martin m matt l anthony r dj fifa player dominic hunter b rob p martin m Stephen m 
Dave B, Shane W, Lomda, also ran, Paul, Alistair, Dan W, Alan M, Sam M, Savage P, Matt H, Roger D, at Pace of a Tortoise, Andrew T, Legendary Fig, Jason BD, Hobius, Adam W, Neil M, Tenacious C, Christopher R, Jonathan P, Liam, Mohammed FC, Lee B, Stephen F, Craig M, Jimmy, Christopher L, Chris B, Cody R, Yannick H, and Andrew L M. A huge, huge thanks for supporting the pod, and I'll catch you again next week. At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Sports Social Podcast Network.